0: Gentlemen, boys, and girls of all ages, welcome to Sox on Tap. I'm I'm joined by my dude Steve and Tony on Tap. we here, talking white Sox. Before we do that, go to ontapsportsnet.com for Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Socks on Tap at ontapsportsnet. Follow my dude Steve at nwi underscore steve and following tony at tony on tap me buzz on tap anywhere you can listen to podcasts you can listen to us be sure to give us a five-star rating and review because that's cool and tough also go to the pin tweet on the socks on tap twitter account and enter in the grandstand giveaway if you do that and you follow all the directions you can win a free tim anderson jersey the boys are back t-shirt and an on tap sports net swag pack so be sure to do all that shit because why wouldn't you tony we're here. It's my second podcast of the night. I'm on cloud nine right now, and I feel like it's gonna get really upsetting really quick. So why don't we talk with you, man? How are you doing today,
1: Buzz? I'm not doing well. It's not as great as you. Uh, I know you are riding high after that uh, that episode of Bulls on Tap. You had some, <clears throat> some great news uh, over in the uh, the NBA, the other Jerry Reinsdorf phone team. Uh, I'm I'm just here to bring you down, man.
2: Steve, how are you, my man? Hey yo, uh, not great, Bob. Gif, as the kids like to say. Yeah, this this is gonna be ugly. Yeah, it's gonna be ugly, and we're gonna talk. We're just gonna get right into it and
0: and talk about why it's going to be ugly, and the reason it's ugly is because yesterday, which was the 24th of March, Evoy Jimenez went to go catch a home run ball that was clearly out of reach. And he ended up hurting himself and tearing his pectoral muscle, which is no bueno. It's a five to six month injury, uh, which means we don't have Eloy Jimenez. And if anybody's not familiar with the situation right now, we also are down at a So with that being said, the depth is no good, man, And we're, we're in a little bit of trouble. Obviously, the team is still talented. Uh, there's talent on the team, but this is a big blow to for the White Sox losing Eloy before the season even starts. Uh, you know, Steve, we'll go, we'll kick it to you, and then Tony. I mean, what what are your thoughts on this, man?
2: Okay, so I've obviously had some time to kind of see the reaction across the Twitter sphere, um, and I, and I've seen both ends of the spectrum. I've seen the end of the spectrum where. You have the Eternal Sox optimists who say that, you know, this team is still going to mash and they're still really talented. And if there was one area they could afford to lose um, players, it's on the offensive side of of the equation. And then I've also seen, you know, the perpetually miserable uh, White Sox Twitter portion of the world that always exists that, you know, seemingly is relishing in in this incident. Be like, oh, see, we told we told you this team wasn't really that good. Look at how fucking smart we are. Um, my my take on it is somewhere in the middle. Um, this is a significant blow. Anytime you lose a middle of the order bat that was going to hit, you know, I think most people were pretty much in agreement that this was a guy that was going to probably hit 40 home runs for this team. And, and be a major force in the middle of this lineup. And anytime you take that away, that's very significant. Okay. Um, this team still has a significant amount of upside offensively with the likes of Johan Mankata, Tim Anderson, um, Jose Abreu. And then you, you do have though, some unproven commodities still with high upside in Luis Robert, Nick Madrigal and Andrew Vaughn. So, There's still a lot of talent here, and I think a lot of people are underselling the run prevention aspect of this team. I I think the pitching on this team is still going to be very good, but you take that big bat out of the lineup, and the lineup isn't as long now. It's that simple. So it's hard for me to say this, and it fucking hurts, but I think this does put them behind Minnesota, whereas I think before this happened, they were really neck and neck with them, and you could make a compelling case – the stats were, were going to be better, but I I don't see it personally right now with this injury. Tony,
1: I mean, there's there's so much to say about this one. First off, um, Steve, I mean, you're right. There's there's plenty of talent on this roster for this team to still be good, and I, I think I mean I catch a lot of heat on Twitter for for some of my takes that I have on this thing, but. First off, this was a totally avoidable injury in my in my opinion for multiple different reasons. Um, number one, I mean Eli just can't be that dumb out there to go after a ball like that in a spring training game um, and expect to catch something like that, putting himself at injury risk. We've already seen him have one collision in the outfield uh, in spring training already. There's there's so many there's so many times that we can go back here and look at Eli Jimenez's defense and and say that what he was doing out there put himself or others at risk. Um, I think I've been pretty outspoken on the topic already. I think both of you guys know that on this show, how I feel about this. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm right now, I guess it just catching a lot of heat for the fact that, uh, there's, there seems to be two camps. There's one camp on Twitter that says, you know, Eloy Jimenez he cannot be the DH because of the roster construction. And then there's the other camp out there that I I guess I would be in as well that says I think that the best thing for Eloy Jimenez was to be the DH. And and I I wrote an article two weeks ago. You know, It's time to put him at DH before something catastrophic happens. And look where we are now. Um, We we have reached that catastrophic point. This was worst-case scenario. Steve, you've been on this show with me plenty of times where I've said, he's going to fuck himself up. And he fucked himself up. We're we're here now. That's what we're dealing with. Um, And I think that you know whether or not it happened now or or down the road in the middle of the season, um, you know, it it just felt like there was going to be another time where Eloy runs into a wall or does something dumb that's going to wind him up. Whether it be two weeks, three weeks, five months, Um, that's just the decision that the White Sox made, and uh, now we have to live with it. And I think the shitty part for all of us here. Is that, you know, there really is no great option to replace a guy in the middle of your lineup who was going to lead the team in home runs, who was going to drive in an incredible amount of base runners this year and provide so much offense and basically be one of the catalysts of this team. Uh, You're going to need guys to step up. And I mean, you're going to need a really good bounce back season out of Johan Moncada here. I think he's the type of guy that's going to need to pick up some of this slack. Uh, But, you know, you also now you see this, this, interesting thing where they've got to figure out left field and all of a sudden you're going to see Andrew Vaughn in left tomorrow. Like they're grasping at straws here. Um, You've got a guy who has not played the outfield ever going into the outfield. And I mean, we were just talking about world series or bust. I mean, these are, these are holes on a team that uh you just can't afford to have happen right now when you, when you've already said the word world series. So it's very concerning.
0: Yeah, I'll double, I'll double down on that. It's, it's it's super concerning. I don't like the fact – I mean, my, our boy Jordan Miller says that um, all Vaughn has to do is be serviceable in left field, and he's got a point. He does have a point, but at so the same did time – So did Eloy. Oh, well, right. Again, again, and that's where I was getting to. I, I agree, but we're in the position right now where we're going to be starting a rookie and as advanced as his bad is who's never played a pro game above A-ball, and we're asking him to now come to the show – Be a good bat and also learn as easy an outfield position as it is, not according to Eloy, of course, but you know, learn a new position and putting him there is definitely concerning on my end. Um, we still do have a guy like Billy Hamilton, as Jordan puts you know, puts out there, we we do have Lurie, Lurie Garcia. I mean, there's options there, it's just I like those guys as depth pieces, and it just kind of sucks that we have to now go to the depth and we have not even played a game yet. That matters. I guess you could say, um, we've played games obviously, but not ones that have mattered. And uh, people we'll argue with well, that. I can't, I can't say that.
2: that. Buzz on buzz. I'm to have to stop you right there. These games matter, Okay. Crack you me. have to build a winning culture. You can't just flip a goddamn switch when the calendar flips to April 1st winning matters.
0: T W T W man. I'm sorry. I apologize but you know that that's you know i got scared a little bit he was very he was very got, serious got, about got, that you know got, like, you ever see the size of steve's arms he fucking he beat my ass i don't like i got scared
2: but buzz you haven't seen me in like in like six months man i got fucking small over the winter dude dude i look like spongebob come on look at my arms like fucking flapping
0: the wind and shit but I, you know I, you have to agree though right steve like to a certain extent here that even if Vaughn goes left field and everything like that, do you have, I guess it's a good question. Maybe not saying you have to agree, but asking you a question with Vaughn going to left field, do you have the same concerns that you would have had with Eloy in left field? Like, do you think he make a bad choice out there, get himself hurt? You, you know, do you think that this hampers him behind the plate? I mean, what do you think? Okay. sorry,
2: So there's, I think a lot of, variables with this aspect of here one thing that you know and I was very much in the camp of okay why can't they try Andrew Vaughn in left field especially when they were talking about giving him some rest in the outfield last year and Sean when he was at the alternate site then you know I, I remembered I saw a couple of things that when he was getting ready to be drafted there were people that had significant concerns about his athleticism and once he was drafted there was I remember I saw one scout said that he has Paul Canerco-level speed at the age of 22 or 23 years old, which is not great, Bob, if you're looking to play left field. Now, granted, left field at 35th and Shields is one of the easiest corner outfield spots to play in all of the major leagues uh, with a very cookie-cutter outfield, uh, very short dimensions, and then obviously having a guy in Luis Robert that can just – Cover alley to alley. That, no was, that was the
1: sexiest R-roll I've heard out
2: hey, of you, to, Steve. Had, had you know what something. the fuck? Had to get something right here today. I, I said out of Steve.
1: Not not you, Buzz. Uh, you know, yours are, yours are phenomenal, but Steve's been practicing. <laughs> He's <kidding>. been practicing. <laughs> yeah, he has, man.
2: <laughs> so, you know, asking a guy that has never done this b- before and, again, doing it in a season where you're saying, hey, we're trying to win the World Series – that's it's very problematic for me okay now again the left field here at 35th and Shields is a very easy one to play and hopefully if he can go out there and just you know just catch the balls that are right at him don't try to do too much defer to Louis to Luis Robert that guy wants to catch everything anyway you're in that scenario here he better be looking to his left every chance he gets. Him. Okay, is is he coming here to catch this thing? And if he's anywhere in sight, you need to back the hell off. So here's my question: Why was that not the, the the plan already
1: for Eloy Jimenez? Where where was the breakdown here? We we all knew that Eloy Jimenez was not a great defender already. So if if the if the plan that was in place wasn't defer to Robert all the time, or just make the easy plays like what a why was that not the case already and b how do we expect somebody else to come in here and do the same thing
0: well I kind of felt like I mean if I can kind of answer Steve I'll let you get it next if I can kind of answer that a little bit is I feel like Eloy Jimenez wanted to be a good left fielder and I feel like he do I want to say try hard kind of like I don't want to say try hard and insult the guy but I felt like he was a tryhard out there you no, know he, he
1: was and I think that you know there, there's something to be said for the effort I mean we, we make fun of it we talk about the spring training stuff I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp on the guy because he, he goes and tries to make plays I think that's awesome because the the converse effect of that is you watch Eloy pull up on everything in left field and you see White Sox Twitter explode with can't you make a fucking effort for that ball why, why are we pulling up on balls? Why are we letting things go over our head? Why are we playing that off the wall? Somebody can catch that because we would see that we definitely would. And I think that, yeah, I, I think that, you know, that there, there's two sides to this. If we saw him, you know, pull up on everything and, and take a cautious approach. Yeah. You're going to let a few singles go in, you know, you might mess up Lucas Giolito's next chance at a perfect game. Like there there's going to be times where people will be frustrated with that approach But, you know, you you see what happens here, and I'd say it's more detrimental, you know, in my opinion, it's more detrimental to see Eloy try and make those plays that then result in injury to himself or other people.
0: Well, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, yeah, obviously. It's just, I feel like Eloy Jimenez has this thing where he wants to be a baseball player. I, I felt like he didn't want to be just a DH, which is why they stuck with the plan for so long. Or maybe the plan was just having Vaughn be the DH. Maybe that was their long-term plan. But I feel like there might have been pushback, maybe not significant pushback, but just that, like, hey, man, I want to be this guy. I want to be this baseball player. I want to play in left field. I want to. I want to bat. That's what I want to do. And obviously it, we're not the ones making the calls. The guys that were kind of fucked up a little bit. Well, I mean, you, you've, you've, right.
1: heard Eloy, you've heard you, you've heard you come out and say like, I want to be a gold Glover. You know, right. I, I want to be a gold Glover too. It's, it's probably not going to happen. It's great to have those goals and aspirations, but at some point, like buzz, if you, if, if you're at work and you keep fucking something up and your boss keeps putting you out there over and over again,
0: story you, life, yeah.
1: yeah, you're just in a position to fail. Right. So, like, at what point does it stop is my question.
0: Right. Steve, you want to add on this?
2: Yeah. Look, Eloy addressed this specifically. I can't remember if it was last. I I think it was at one point last season when somebody asked him, like, you know, hey, you know, are you going to be a long-term DH? And he literally laughed and he said, fuck that. I'm not a DH. So I think to your point, Buzz, there definitely – he does have that mindset that he wanted, I think, to try to prove to people that he could be a competent left fielder. And I think maybe in this particular case here, he was probably trying to overcompensate for, for some reason in a game, you know, in in late March. And now, I mean, this team's in a, in a worse spot. They are worse today than they were Tuesday morning. And, and their chances of winning the division are worse today than they were Tuesday morning. And that's very significant because he – Felt like he had to go out there and try to prove something that he's a defensive player that he's just not.
1: I'm going to go down a, a little bit of a rabbit hole, and I don't think we're going to be able to solve this. But if he doesn't, if, if he has to play the field, is first base a long-term option for Eloy Jimenez in your guys' there-
2: there are, there are scouts that literally, when he was in the minor leagues and right after that trade happened, that said that he was destined to be a first baseman. So that is not something that is completely unheard of.
1: And um, I, I know it doesn't it doesn't exactly fit the roster construction right now as it is, but let's let's you know let's just go out there and hypothetically say that Andrew Vaughn looks somewhat serviceable in left field this year. And I know we saw the reports. Uh, that they're they're going to pick up another Cuban outfielder in uh, Oscar Collas uh, in, in the next international signing, um, and you might see him kind of escalate right up to the major leagues, which gives them another outfield option next year. But you are losing Adam Eaton. Uh, let's let's say that Andrew Vaughn looks somewhat serviceable out there. Uh, you've got what two years left of Jose Abreu after this year, Steve. Um, does Eloy Jimenez start taking reps at first base? Is is that the is that the best option for him?
2: No. And I'll tell you why. Um, you, you mentioned two years left of Jose Abreu. I think Jose Abreu is putting on a white Sox uniform until Jose Abreu decides he no longer wants to put on a white Sox uniform. And he's made it very clear that he wants to be primarily a first baseman. Um, I think a lot of this is really going to hinge on Andrew Vaughn and what the bat does. And, you know, this might sound crazy here. And I had somebody, somebody make this suggestion to me earlier today. What if with this roster construction issue that they have and all these corner DH guys, what if Eloy's the one you have to end up trading because he can't keep from hurting himself and he can't stay on the field and he can't be in your lineup enough to do what you want him to do? You know, Steve, that's that's
1: an interesting thought, man. Like, I, I, I haven't really gone down that path, but you know, you gotta think about it. If if we get to a point where we just can't plug everybody in and we're talking about stuff like this, and he is that guy, interesting. It's interesting to think about. My, my I want to I wanna comment one thing on, on something you said there Jose Abreu getting to you know decide where he gets to play. We've heard Eloy Jimenez talk about, you know, like I don't want to be at DH, so I'm gonna play here. You know, you've heard that stuff fly under Rick Renteria last year. We really haven't seen Tony La Russa comment on this yet. And I, I want to see what happens with this because I don't think Tony La Russa is the kind of guy that that gets walked over the way a Ricky Renteria would. And I'd like to see Tony La Russa tell this club and some of these young guys, no, you're going to fucking do what's best for the team. And I don't care what it is that you want to do. We need to win. And this is the best position that you're going to play or you're going to be in in order for the ball club to succeed. Fuck your feelings. Let's go win a championship.
2: He's not, but the counterpoint to that is Tony La Russa is 76 years old. How long can you reasonably count on Tony La Russa being the guy in uniform in the dugout? And the, and the other thing that I'll leave you with on, on this, and then Buzz will turn it over to you here is um, ho- the Jose Abreu situation is a very complicated one because this is one that directly involves Jerry Reinsdorf. And the fact of the matter is that Jerry Reinsdorf got directly involved in these contract negotiations, and a lot of people um, aren't necessarily aware of that. But the fact of the matter is, and I've heard this from from numerous people, um, not all based here in Chicago, that Jerry Reinsdorf went over Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn to do the Jose Abreu deal and so I mean if he's got that kind of pull with with the owner and you got a a manager that's 76 years old who's to say that Jose Abreu is not going to be able to dictate things
0: yeah and the point that I wanted to make to your point Tony is exactly what I was going to say was when does it come before like the whole trading aspect of Eloy came out because he's one of the going to be one of the best hitters in baseball in my opinion i think that he's i mean we've seen it's there already you know i mean it's there already if you can't stay on the field obviously it doesn't help if you can't be playing a game but where i stand with that whole thing is it either comes down i don't know if it'd be a manager thing or a front office thing where someone just goes to him and like listen man you want to be here you need to listen to what the fuck we're saying right now like th- we want to win fuck your feelings tony like you said And you're going to go be a DH or you're going to go be a first baseman or whatever it is. I I don't know what it would be. I don't know what the, I don't know what it would be if he went to first base, but I feel more comfortable with him. As I've said on this show before is if he was just the DH, I don't give a fuck. I mean, I like Andrew Vaughn. Everybody loves Andrew Vaughn. I get it. Andrew Vaughn's good. He's going to be a good player. We think, but we know what Eloy can be in the box. And it's just something that I don't want to part with because I think he could be really good. So he's going to have to listen to direction. And if he's not able to fulfill his duties out in the field and he's fucking killing himself or running into Luis Roberts, then he's going to have to take a back seat and realize what the greater good for the team is.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and here's the other thing too, Buzz. I just want to, I want to add on to that. If, if it's, if it's Eloy Jimenez, being the dh or the first baseman i think that those are kind of somewhat negligible as long as you've got you know the buy in from abreu there too because let, let, let's let's validate steve's point here that there is there is pull from jose abreu on this team and he does have kind of that leadership role. And and I think that they are going to let him stay here as long as he wants to be. Um, is that going to be what's best for the White Sox? Probably not at, at a certain point. Is it a problem right now? I don't think so. Uh, but we look three, four years down the road and if he's still hanging around and then the production just completely drops off. Uh, I think we've got some issues there, but um, you know, there is, there is something to be said for some guys who do have problems, not playing, in the field. So I do understand that, but yes, the, the, I guess the sentiment that I'm trying to get to is I want Eloy Jimenez's bat in the lineup for, you know, close to 600 plate appearances as we can get it to. And I think that that gives the White Sox the best chance to win. I don't care if those at bats come from left field, first base DH. Uh, As Steve said earlier, the White Sox are not as good today as they were yesterday. Um, And the fact that there's people out here who have clamored for Andrew Vaughn, it really it, it really boggles my mind that there are people out there right now that 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 think that you know just because Andrew Vaughn is knocking on the door, that he is going to be this bona fide absolute star, like that is not proven yet. Like there's so many people who are out here going, you know, just with, with their torches out, who want to say that there was no way we could have put Eloy at DH for any of these games because Andrew Vaughn is the DH yet, you know, you still hear some of the complaining out of people saying we didn't sign a DH this year, Like the White Sox Twitter has been so torn on this whole DH space. And it, it, it's just really funny that all of a sudden now we're just, you know, you hear Tony LaRusso say, well, we'll, we'll throw Andrew Vaughn out in left field. Like, well now his bats in the lineup, but the, the worst possible case scenario has happened and that was Eloy Hurting himself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree, and that puts us in a rough spot moving forward. And I, I really don't know what they're going to do because if Vaughn doesn't perform in left field, boys, Steve, have you been looking at any names out there? Any names uh, sparking your interest? Uh, maybe, uh, maybe a seal queen or something? I'm just saying I had to get one in. I had to get one in. I had to get one I in. That was coming. I'm going I'm to back. I'm back off now. I had to get one in, though.
2: Buzz, I'm, I'm going to tell you the same thing I told uh, good old Kenny W.O. earlier today. It's been two years, and Yaseel Puig has been sitting out there in the free agent market. He's been sitting out there unsigned by 30 teams for a reason. And I don't think that these recent sexual al- sexual assault allegations are going to help his cause in any way. There's a very clear reason why not a single team has signed him not even a rebuilding team looking to potentially trade him to try to get some sort of prospect capital nobody has signed him for a reason
0: stop hurting my feelings while we're live I on st- air I'm with sorry. guests
2: i still love, i still love you
0: we have we have we have guests here if you're going to you know berate me in front of everybody just do it in private please i, I still love you i love you too i love you more mandy more <laughs> um but there's other options that are out there have either of you looked into that so far? Are we, are you just kind of riding the wave right now to see what happens? Because like I said, if Vaughn doesn't work out, do you go to Lurie? Do you go to Billy Hamilton? Do you, do you go to, um, Nick Williams? I mean, what, what, what is the plan? Diane Viciato, hundred percent. Okay. You know what? The fucking Puig stuff is more sensible. He's than 32.
1: He hits bombs. You know, he could play left field about just as good as Eloy can. Um, I don't see why you don't bring bring back Dion Vicieto right now. I mean, this is this is how the story of Dion Vicieto coming back and hitting a grand slam in the World Series happens. This is just the start, right here.
0: Yeah, let's just bring back old friends. It Worked out the first time. We'll give him another chance.
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, wow. You know, honestly, I'm gonna crack I, a beer after that one. I, I think I think they're just gonna try to ride this thing out with with Vaughn and, and Lauri and Engel when he gets back. And, I mean, I don't I don't know what the hell else they do. I mean, you know, I saw people out there talking, okay, well, you know, you need to go out and trade for for Joey Gallo or for Mitch Hanninger. I mean, you know, Mitch Hanninger's in the last year of his deal. Maybe you could pull something like that off. But it, it kind of gets back to a problem that we saw – over the course of the winter and you know yeah they made the Lance Lynn trade but the fact of the matter is they don't really have guys that they can afford to trade right now um because the fact that there wasn't a minor league season last year and you know Jonathan Stever his initial cup of coffee look he was rushed and he shouldn't have been in the major leagues last year it didn't look great um and then you have a guy like you know Jimmy Lambert who, who's another guy that's those are depth pieces. You know that are going to start the year down in, in Charlotte and in the minor leagues that are going to try to potentially – and I and I think could provide you some insulation should you have pitching injuries because you're going to need more pitching this year going from 60 games to that full 162. Um, so they don't really have good options that they can utilize from the trade standpoint. So I don't know how the hell they do this, in all honesty. I mean, are, are they maybe going to try – are they going to sign Ioannis Cespedes and just give it a shot and see, okay, is there anything left in the tank that we can get out of him for, you know, even if it's just six weeks? I, I don't know.
1: Steve, I want to go back to something. They they did make an international signing of, uh, what is it, Cespedes' half-brother. Do you think if you go back and redo this race, the 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 international signing period, they will, they just stay off of Cespedes and they go sign Colas right off the bat right there this year was that possible I don't know enough about the international signing period but if if you're Rick Hahn are you regretting not going after Colas now in in 21 instead of and I know there was a whole debacle with it but for people who don't know about that whole thing like I would feel a lot more comfortable with with Oscar as an outfield option right now ready to go than I do having the uh, the younger Cespedes, um you know, a year or two away.
2: I don't think either one of them is a, is a good option to to do this here in, in 2021. Um, and in all honesty, I don't think they could go back and do Kolos before um, Yoelki because there was so much uncertainty as to when um Colas was going to be eligible to even sign so I, I don't think that, that was a feasible option right there so even if even if say Colas had been declared eligible and had they signed him as a priority over Yoelki, why I, I guess my question would be what makes you believe that he would be better suited to be slotted into the lineup here in 2021
1: I'm I I don't know. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I'm I'm going I'm going off of what I've read on the two of them. Um, I have read that, uh, and, and Alex Rude is in the chat saying that uh, Yualki is further along than than Koloss. I've read the opposite in, in other places too. So I'm just I'm I'm trying to go back and think of things that could have been done. And I guess that's here nor there. To be honest with you, that's here nor there right now because we're already past this point.
0: What about the other Cespedes? You what know, well, Jonas? I always say the names wrong, so I'm not even fucking gonna try it. I can't even say the. Right, what's, what's with you? What's
1: with you and the names today,
0: man? Well, we made a drinking game. Joe Colley from the Sun Times said every time I say a name wrong, I have to drink beer. So I, I just do it purposely now, so I can get tanked for a reason. Just something that, that I'm cool sitting and here. Tough. <laughs>
2: I mean, you, I mean, Jonas hasn't played regularly since 2017. So I mean, there's no assurance that you're going to get anything out of him at this point. Um. It's just, there's just really not a good option. Well, nothing just seems ideal at
0: this point, honestly.
2: I mean, if you, if you can sign, whether it's, you know, Josh Reddick or or Ioannis on on a minor league deal and, you know, if they have to force their way on the roster, I guess, whatever at this point, but you're basically in a spot where you got to, I guess, try Vaughn and then, Once, you know, Engel gets back, but the problem that you're going to run into is, and we've seen this, Adam Engel will get exposed if he's playing every day. He he has been so good the last year and a half because he has been playing in the role that he is ideally suited for. That is as a fourth outfielder in a platoon spot, getting the at-bats against left-handed pitching and being a seventh, eighth, and ninth inning defensive replacement. That is his role on a major league roster, and that's fine, and he's very well suited for that. If he gets back to the spot where he's playing every day, we're going to see the same people bitching and moaning that we saw in 2017, 2018, when Adam Engel is hitting like 232 with a 289 on base and a 345 slug. Steve,
1: you forget that White Sox Dave fixed his swing.
0: Right. <laughs> There's no good options at this point with Eloy going down, and that's concerning. Well, that's just lack of depth. I mean, do we bring
1: Charlie Tilson back?
0: I would love to see him back, actually. Yes. Did
1: you know Charlie Tilson went to new church?
0: I did. I did actually. Okay. No, Ryan sure. From Will Met, correct?
2: I don't know. I don't know those pretty sure, this sure he's stuff. from Will Met.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what about what about Ryan Cordell? Wanna bring him back? Give him give him a call up, see what he's up to right now. I mean, he you know, he knows the guys.
1: You know, this is this is honestly where, you know, having a few extra guys in the outfield, maybe a steel walker or something might be nice. Oh, my God. Steel walker, man. Everybody loves steel walker. Steel walker? Didn't he hit a home run against the White Sox in spring training this year? Steel walker? And it was the most Steel walker, home run ever. Steel walker, Texas Ranger.
2: Actually, I think that home run was hit off of Reynaldo Lopez, who's the same guy that, I don't know if you guys know this, gave up a 500-foot home run to Nomar Mazzara.
0: Yeah, but Nomar Mazaro is going to do magical things for the Detroit Tigers. I see it everywhere. So, just just so you know, is Tim ready. Tebow
2: still
1: out
0: there? Uh, Tim Tebow retired from baseball. Damn it. Yeah, so I mean, we might be able to call him up and offer him some, you know, something cool. Uh, we got we got Jim, uh, Jim Mike, Adolfo. Adolfo. so this
1: is this is where we this is where we get into the fact that like, oh man, Luis Alexander, Alexander Basabe probably would have been your option here.
0: But well, what about a? Uh, what about Blake Rutherford from Sal? Sal from Blake, Rutherford. Blake, Rutherford, I out Blake there. Rutherford. I've seen Gavin. I've seen Gavin Sheets too. I've seen a lot of Gav, Gavin Sheets. Superior. Gavin
1: Sheets. He he has been practicing in the outfield as well.
0: So I, I don't know, man. This is a like I said, it's rocking a hard place. We can go round and round, but right now where we're at is left field is a big fucking question mark. And in your right field, you have a guy that struggles to stay healthy too, and Adam Adam Eaton. So there, it's it's not great, Bob. Is, is what it is. And I, I don't really know how to get around it. I feel like our infield's in good shape. Um, I think Nick Madrigal, Tim Anderson, Yoan Moncada, and Jose Abreu can hold that down. They'll be fine. And uh, the outfield right now is Luis Robert and praying to God Adam Eaton doesn't get hurt. And hopefully, even though he will not be in the role that Steve said that he's the best in, which we all know here, because we've all were calling for that the whole time he was the starting right fielder or wherever the fuck he was in the outfield. Adam Engel, we need him to get healthy immediately at this point. And and that's where we're at. And I don't know how you get around it.
2: Yeah, it's – look, it's just not a great spot. And I think the one positive – or maybe positive isn't the right word, but the one thing that could help them trying to sort all of this out right now is if you look at the schedule – You start off, you got those four games against the Angels. The Angels still can't pitch. I don't care what anybody fucking tries to tell tell you. Yeah, Dylan Bundy had a a nice, you know, 10 or 12 starts last year. That team still can't pitch for shit. Then you go, you face a, a bad Seattle Mariners team. You come home, you face a bad Kansas City Royals team. And so then, you know, that first two, you know, that first 10 days of the season there, you've got a soft spot in the schedule right there before you got Cleveland coming in. So, you know, that could give you some time here to let Adam Engel heal up. And hopefully he can be back for the start of that four game series against the Indians. Um, you know, the, the second week of April there. So hopefully that will help and and kind of help to balance things out a little bit, but we're probably just going to be seeing a lot of layery And like I said, this, this Andrew Vaughn trial thing in left field here to start out and, you know, see what happens, I guess. I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> so if Andrew Vaughn's in left field, that means that we have Zach Collins as a DH, right?
2: Yeah. And and look, I've said something, and, and I've taken a lot of heat for this. One of the things that I've always believed with was Zach Collins, and, and there was obviously some issues with his swing when he was drafted and down in the minor leagues with the strikeout levels, um, but I always felt that Ricky Renteria fucked him badly. Uh, when, when he was here, giving at bats to you know guys like Beef Wellington Castillo and and some of the other you know clowns at, at the DH spot um, over his time, they never gave this kid an opportunity to have consistent at bats to actually find out is a guy that we used a number ten overall draft pick someone that can at least be part of a DH platoon spot there. And I think now we're going to kind of see here and find out once and for all, is Zach, can Zach Collins have a role on this team going forward or not? And I think if you look at the at-bats, and I think the approach has been really solid this spring. I know the results have looked really good. I've been more interested in looking at the approach. And the fact is, I think he's only struck out once or twice to this point. So it seems like there have been some notable adjustments made to his overall approach to try to limit that and try to put the ball in play a little bit more and it'll be interesting to see if when these games you know, start to count a little more, because I'm not going to say they don't count because they count, believe me, right? um, will those adjustments carry over? Steve, uh,
1: you know, you, you speak very highly of Zach Collins. Uh, I'm kind of the opposite right now, uh, and I think no,
2: that no, – uh, It's not that I speak highly of him. It. It's just I, I think we need to find out once and for all. No, I,
1: I agree. I agree that we need to find out once and for all. But I, I think that the, the part that I have a problem with, and, and this could go back to Ren, Rick Renteria and, and what you said, is that like this is not the fucking year where I want to be figuring that shit out. This is not the year where I want to be playing, is this guy a major leaguer? Because we're, we're past that. Any GM who comes out and says, this is a World Series or bust year, and then we're playing the, well, I didn't sign enough depth. And, and and this is, this is I mean, direct at Han here. You can't have that. You look at what the New York Yankees do, and, you know, it's plug and play. Here it is. Here's the, the next man up. You look at the Dodgers. It's, it's next man up. Where's next man up for the White Sox? We don't even have that. We're not close. We're talking about right now Zach Collins' first real shot at the major leagues to be a consistent everyday major league player. Well I mean, okay, so what were the past few years? Why the fuck did you go sign Yasmani Grandal when you had James McCann and you bury a first round draft pick and not give him any chance to do anything because you're doing this half in, half out bullshit. You know like let's let's be a wild card team, but let's let's stunt the growth of one guy. They didn't carry the rebuild out the way it should have been carried out. There's players out here right now who we're, we still don't know what we have, and yet we're using the term World Series. It looks like a big fucking circle jerk. Nobody knows what the fuck's going on, and it just looks like it's a mess. And it only took one player to go down for this to happen. Tony, Steve, me, Steve, would you
2: say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that, and and I have a couple of follow up questions for you, for you, Tony. Okay, we talk about the Dodgers, and we talk about and you talk about the Yankees with, with their plug and play. Okay. The answer so, is Jerry Reinsdorf isn't dead no, yet, wait, so I already know where you're going. No, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 that's not that's not where I was going with this. That's not where I was going with this. We can get we can get to that because because trust me, you know I'll bury that motherfucker any chance I get. Okay, um, one of the names that I see you know Sox fans talk about all the time is, with when it comes to the Yankees is Mike Taukman, who you know the Yankees got from the Colorado Rockies. Have you had a chance to take a look at what Mike Taupman's numbers looked like before he was on the New York Yankees? Can you imagine had Rick Hahn signed or or had Rick Hahn acquired Mike Taupman and brought him in as a depth piece, what the reaction of White Sox Twitter would have been? Oh, people would have been up in arms. Exactly. Furthermore, the, the talk about the Dodgers, the Dodgers are able to do what they are able to do Because of the fact they have an organization that prioritizes depth and prioritizes depth through any means necessary, meaning exhausting the international market, signing 16-year-old Latin American players so that they have a lot of guys that they can cycle in and out. If you look at their roster, everybody likes to say, oh, they just throw a shit ton of money at the problem. That's all they do. No, they don't. If you look at their 40-man roster, the overwhelming majority of guys on it over the last, over the course of this eight-year run have been guys that they have signed, drafted, and developed through their system because they've had an ownership group that has allowed them to acquire talent through any means necessary. Yeah.
1: It's right there. It, it, there's other teams that go do things well that we don't do. Oh yeah, the end of the, I mean that's the end of the story, um, and I mean that you can go up and down the front office, and it doesn't it can go from the owner down to the assistant GM, and there there's just a different philosophy here than there is in in those other teams that I mentioned, um,
2: and and again you know you know some you know some little you know shithead. You know, in the miserable portion of White Sox Twitter is going to hear my comment say, "Oh, oh, there goes the Hanbot again." First of all, fuck you, you little bitches. Um, you know, because I've literally come out and said on numerous occasions that if I was running the show, Rick Han would have lost his job. But somehow that makes me a Hanbot, so I don't know. Somehow there's a disconnect there, but whatever. Um, like everybody's it, so mad right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I, I just I'm. I'm I'm getting mad online now.
0: <laughs> no, you're getting mad online. I've never seen you really get mad online for, for well, a couple minutes ago when you almost beat me up, but that was, that was it. I just,
2: this is put, fantastic.
0: We put too much stock in the negativity. Do on, we? On White Sox Twitter, yeah, we do. Do we?
1: Do we put too much stock in the negativity? Because I feel like anytime you're negative – about anything or pissed off about anything. There's 15 fucking people to come and tell you like, you shouldn't be mad about this because the team's still good. Or we, they did spend the money or whatever
0: there's always, there's always a differentiating opinion. I've only on dealt like with like Twitter. a few people like that personally, where they said they've spent the money, but I just, I, I, I just try to focus on the, uh, uh on the not, Trolling part of White Sox Twitter, I guess, as much because Lord knows I've gotten it a million times. Whether it's been Sox Twitter, or even Sox Twitter coming at me about Bulls the, takes or what Bears take. You want to
1: talk about White Sox Twitter trolling? You're 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 talking with one of the experts right next to you.
0: Well, yeah, but Steve, there's a difference here. This has become a game, and we're keeping score. You know, uh, it's a fucking pandemic. What else do you want us to do? I mean, we, we got to do something. So, Buzz, buzz b-
1: before we go any further, why don't we let everybody know again where they can go get themselves a free
0: uh, Tim Anderson jersey? Oh, well, you can do that at Grandstand. Uh, you can go to the Socks on Tap Twitter page. Go to the pinned tweet. Read the rules. Make sure you follow the rules. It'll enter you into a contest. This contest gives away a free 1983 home Tim Anderson jersey the boys are back t-shirt and then you will also win an on tap sports net swag pack. So be sure, check out twin Pete, Tw- twin Pete, Jesus. <laughs> it's my second podcast of the day. I'm like nine beers deep. Leave me alone.
1: I thought you were going to drop, like, check out the twin peaks right there. That's, 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 what
0: what I I heard. that's what I thought this was going. Did we get a deal with them?
1: No, did we did it? not
0: get oh, a deal did. with well, them. Well, the fuck them, then. Um, <laughs> um, God damn it! The the pinned tweet. Check out the pinned tweet on the socks on tap Twitter. Follow the rules. Enter yourself in to win grandstand socks on tap giveaway. Ah, see you see what happens when I drink. It's freaking... I see what happens. My face gets all red. Still
1: wants a swag pack for the backpack. Can we talk about the fact that we're not going to be able to bring the backpacks in That's brutal. to the ballpark? We talked about this uh, on a on a previous episode, but. Like, I feel like we haven't had the full crew together to really like commemorate the fact that like we got to ask Johnny, like, what is what's his plan here? Because I feel like Johnny Nani and the backpack are are like that's that's a going to a White Sox game staple. I can't tell you how many times I've had to ask for something like out of Johnny's backpack. Hey, you got peanuts. You got a towel to wipe this wet seat down after after it rained, all that other shit. Like Johnny's prepared. He's got everything.
2: 10, I do not have 10 bottles of water in your backpack when you're about to consume 14 hot dogs and, yes. and you know, six months worth of sodium intake in, in a couple hours.
1: That You don't have to worry about that because there's no dollar dogs. But w- like, what what's the plan now? Because I feel totally unprepared going into this season like without the ability to bring the backpack in. Although at least they're not giving us any giveaways this year because that's normally where I stuck the giveaway was, was like in Johnny's backpack. Uh, Until we got out
0: of the park. I I just finished um, Sons of Anarchy, and I usually don't do TV shows, but I watched this one, and I saw how they smuggled things into jail. So if that is something that you're interested in, I'll tell you after we get off the show. I don't think...
2: I miss the good old days of being able to smuggle beers into the ballpark before there were the metal detectors and everything, man. Dude! I used to smuggle three or four of those in at a time. You know, I'd hide a pint in my in my shoe walking through there, man. I mean, I miss the good old days.
0: I'd be a sixteen-year-old kid, seventeen-year-old kid going to uh, Soldier Field, and I would put Miller Light, especially in the winter. You know, I put like Miller Lights or whatever in my socks and my like. Who plays there? Huh? Who plays there? Oh, um, the Chicago the Chicago Brown Bears. Um, they play there. But uh, yeah, high school team. You want to fucking start with me, Steve? You want to get me mad online? You want to get me mad online right now? I think we've all
1: had our moment tonight. Bullshit. We've all, hey, we've all had our
2: moment.
0: Anyway, I, I used to sneak in shit to Soldier Field all the time, and then they started doing the whole pat down thing, and then you, you lost it. So I can't. You usually you
2: have to pay for that kind of action. Uh, <laughs> fuck this show. <laughs> why am I here? Socks on tap after dark. Yeah, why am I here? And then
0: this guy puts go Steelers. No. Chicago, let's it's go. Stillers. Right. Rain, rain it in before we get too far off the rails here. I'm mad, uh, let, I'm mad let, online.
1: Let, I know you're mad online, but let's rain it in before it gets too far off the rails. Steve, uh, you know, I, I know we're not doing our predictions show right now, um, but I just have to ask this question of both of you before we get, before we end this show. Eloy Jimenez out of the lineup, obviously August, September might be there. Is there a chance the Sox don't make the playoffs due to this injury?
0: I think there was a chance chance before that they might not have made it. I I, I had high hopes that they made it, and I'm a homer, so I always say they're going to because that's what the fuck I do. But I think that there was really legitimate concern even with Eloy that we might have not done enough. We already had a really good bullpen going into last season. We improved our bullpen. We went and got a third starter in Lance Lynn. We obviously, if he could stay healthy, as we talked about earlier in the show with Adam Eaton, we did, I believe, upgrade in right field. I, I, I believe that, but we're basically looking at the same thing here: uh, losing Eloyzy, uh, a monumental piece in your in your lineup that you that's not replaceable by anybody available. It, it, it's tough. Like, yeah, like Steve said in the beginning of the show, we might have just went behind Minnesota. And if we catch some cold streaks at the wrong time and we don't have somebody to pull us out of those, yeah, that's a real possibility right now. And I hate to just pin it on one guy because that's not what baseball is. It's not like the NBA or, you know what I'm saying? It's not like that. It's different. It's a, it's more of a team aspect thing. and. But losing a guy such as Eloy and what he brings to the table, especially, in, you know, obvi- only in the batter's box, it, it's detrimental to what you're trying to do this year, and especially when the goal from the front office, obviously have to get to the fucking playoffs before you win a World Series, but the goal was World Series or bust. That's what we've heard. It's a It's a thing that hurts moving forward. I do think that they can coast through. Hopefully they can navigate the waves and get through this. I'll you know I'll give the good juju and shit like that and do the washi washy thing and hopefully that all works. But if that doesn't work, I don't know, man. Like it, it's tough. It's it's a it's a monumental loss losing Eloy for this amount of time.
2: I don't think that this puts them in danger of missing the playoffs. Okay, and I and I will tell you why. The Boston Red Sox still cannot pitch. The Toronto Blue Jays, who I'm old enough to remember, six weeks ago, and people were. On Twitter.com saying we're better than the White Sox have already had a string of injuries including George Springer and oh yeah they still can't pitch either okay they've got Hunjin Ryu and then a bunch of bullshit okay the Indians can pitch but I don't know how they're gonna score the Angels can't pitch and I don't know what the A's are gonna be I still believe 1 through 13 and e- this is even saying, having question marks at the number four and five spot in the rotation, I still think one through 13, the Sox have the best pitching staff in the American League. And I will take their pitching staff against anybody's, okay? And, you know, you look at – we're already seeing – we're seeing other teams go have injury issues happen already. Zach Britton and Justin Wilson heard for the Yankees already, okay? That matters. Okay. The Yankees had questionable starting pitching to, to begin with. Everybody wants to talk about the lack of depth options and the questions that the Sox had on the positional side. The Yankees have the exact same questions on the pitching side of the equation here. Okay. So as as far as I see it, the five teams in the American League that are still the best situated to make the playoffs are the Yankees, the Rays, the Sox, the Twins, and the Astros. Okay, The road has definitely gotten tougher here, and and there is a high level of volatility with the White Sox roster because we don't know, ultimately, we can't make automatic assumptions that Luis Robert is going to be a Super that Nick Madrigal is going to be a very solid everyday player, that Yohan Makata is going to bounce back from a lackluster 2020 season. We can't guarantee those things. This team still has significant upside. They just have less certainty today on the positional side of things than they had 48 hours ago. And that does make it tough. But I really believe people are underselling the run prevention aspect of this team.
1: Steve, I love it. I love when you you know talk hope and and stuff like that. It it it, it makes people easier. I think you know the just, tone makes the tone. Down. Yes, yeah. the tone. You've got that like you know that just that like that that calming aspect to the to the way you talk. It's like when your parents are yes. fighting in your break. I was gonna say to go he's to got you. like a very fatherly like he's like the father of White Sox Twitter right now, speaking advice to all the young ones oh, out shit. there. Um, that's
0: because you call yourself old. We didn't call Yeah, you we old. didn't call you old. You you call yourself you old You do that all the time, all the time,
1: when time.
2: You're with us all the time. So yes. yeah. <laughs> bitches.
1: So we're just using your words against you here. That's all I'm saying. I got uh, I I, 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 I walked that line very carefully. Um but you no, you you do you do speak some facts, you speak some truths. Um that, that uh, you know that there is a lot of improvements that this team has made. I don't think they're as significant as what we all wanted. Um, but you do. You talk about you add Lance Lynn to this rotation. Uh, you've got a stud in Lucas Giolito who's really found himself. You're bringing back Michael Kopech this year. Don't know what you're going to get out of him. Garrett Crochet has already had a taste of of Major League pitching in the, in the playoffs, and I think he's going to be really hungry. Uh, you add a closer like Liam Hendricks, and and yes, even me, Alex Calame, uh, fanboy number one here, at heads are still for closers. Um, you know, loves the fact that we've got Liam Hendricks here. Um, I, I think that there's there's a lot of good in this team and, and steve you bring up the the important point the bullpen um we we've talked before about the ability to shorten games and, and the Sox do still have some offense here uh you get a full season of production out of a guy like joan moncada who's not battling the, the the type of uh you know illness uh, uh effects from covid that he had last year um you can get some big production out of jose breu again last year we haven't really even talked about the fact that Tim Anderson's still the straw that stirs this drink. Um, and and uh, if he has, if he has the type of year that I think that uh, he will, uh, you're still going to have guys on base and, and guys there to drive them in. And if you can get to that bullpen in the fifth, sixth inning, you can shorten a lot of ball games. I think that this team will be okay. It's going to win its fair share of ball games. Um, what I'm worried about is another injury to this core. Uh, I think that's the, the, that's the the real threat to to what we have here and, and when I say the core I talk a one of your big three starters if one of them goes down uh, if Lance Lynn Dallas Keuchel or Lucas Giolito are out for an extended period of time uh, that's going to put a huge strain on this because now we're talking about bringing Reynaldo Lopez back in you're talking about bringing uh, potentially Striever or uh, you know who else do we have there you, you could try and convert Michael Kopech halfway through I don't think that that's going to happen uh, you Jimmy Lambert's another one. You're, you're talking about guys that are also question mark material compared to uh, what you have there. Uh, and outside of that, if if one of uh, Tim Anderson, Yohan uh, Mankata, or Luis Robert are out of that lineup for two months, uh, things can get a little ugly. So th- I, I I think the depth is the problem right now. Uh, you're still going to need some some help. Uh, at some point during this year, some, you're going to need some guys to step up and, and really improve. Um, and you're also going to need to just be lucky. Uh, Herm Schneider's not on not on the uh, training staff anymore. These guys are not coming back the way they used to.
2: Yeah, yeah. Look, that's you, you hit on some important points there. And I've been harping on this all all winter. You know, as you look specifically at the matchup. From the Sox versus the Twins, and that's that's where it all starts because it all starts taking care of business in house in the Central Division. This the Sox versus Twins was a battle of high upside potential versus relative certainty. The Twins always had more relative certainty on their roster with with their guys, and even even some guys like you know Josh Donaldson and Max Kepler and Brian Buxton who get injured quite frequently themselves. Um, you know, but they, you, you felt like you could count on more what you would get from them versus the Sox where you look at guys like Robert, Madrigal, Johan, Andrew Vaughn, there is super high upside there. And and that upside, I, I don't know that there's another team in baseball that can match that type of upside with their roster. You just – you can't guarantee it. You can't guarantee that Andrew Vaughn is going to come out here and is going to mash from day one. You can't guarantee that Luis Robert isn't going to have some of the same struggles that he had in September of 2020 being exposed frequently to sliders on, on the lower third of, of the strike zone, on, on the lower third and outer portion of the, of the strike zone there. There's no guarantees in that. Um but that being said, I, I still – I really like the, this core group. It's just a matter of they have to go out there and they have to prove it now, and you just – you can't count on it. Elo was a guy that I felt relatively certain about from a performance-level standpoint. I, I was penciling in that 40 home runs there this year. You take that out and that hurts. So now they got to find a way to make up for that.
1: Daniel Polka and Dian Viciato, Platoon, that should do it.
2: Oh, God, you evil bastard. Yeah, no shit.
1: I'm just here for comic relief.
2: Okay. I, I got I got one other topic that I want to bring up here. And I know, Tony, I had mentioned this to you. And, Buzz, I want to get your take on this as well. So, and this is something that was talked about in the presser earlier today uh, when Tony LaRusso had his availability. And someone had asked him, you know, if – during the course of his managerial career, has he ever been in a situation where a player that was as counted upon as Eloy is was lost due to injury and how his team and how he was able to help overcome that? And I think that this is a very important point. And I know I've taken Tony La Russa to task and, and this whole process of bringing him back as the manager. I've had some very strong opinions on it. But with that being said, this is an absolute spot where I believe having Tony La Russa here will help this team because he specifically referenced 2011, the very first day pitchers and catchers reported when he was managing the Cardinals, Adam Wainwright blew out his elbow after throwing his first bullpen. That was his top of the rotation, his number one starter. He lost in the first day of spring training and that team went on to win the World Series. So I believe that this is a situation where having a guy like LaRusso that has been around for as long as he has and seen as many things as he has is going to be very valuable here. And I think if there's one guy that can help kind of weather this storm and and kind of mix and match and and use the pieces to the puzzle correctly and then hopefully get some reinforcements from Han and from from Kenny Williams to augment – what they need at a later point in the season, I think it is Tony La Russa. So what do you guys think about that?
0: I mean, I guess it's just something that I don't take into consideration a lot because I'm not used to it. You know, and I'm being honest with you. I'm just not used to having a guy where we've had Robin Ventura and Ricky Rencheria and I just haven't had – I'm not used to having a guy put it all together. I mean, the last guy we had who was our best manager, in my opinion – Ozzy, cause he's the one who got us to a ring, you know, got us a ring. You know, I, I guess I'm just not used to that. If I did have to put my faith into somebody, I guess you're right. And I guess I would agree with that opinion because he's been around the game a long time. He's got rings to prove it. He's, you know, what is the third, most uh, third, most wins in uh, manager, you know, managerial history. So, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a valid point that you bring up. It's just my own insecurities of what we've dealt with for the past dec- pretty much a decade and longer. And, um, you know, sitting here now thinking that, yeah, this guy could figure it out and put the puzzle pieces together. really doesn't cross my mind. Cause it's something that I'm not used to.
1: You know what, Steve? Um, you know, I think that, you know, you're talking about having a manager who can, who can withstand some of that stuff and and just kudos to you for using the term weather, the storm. I think I use that on four feathers podcast at least like every single episode. I love that term. And, and I think that there's, there is some importance in every sport to weather the storm because your team is going to be down at some point. You're going to be short manned. Uh, there's going to be, you know, the call for everybody, to just all hands on deck at some point. Um, and that's where we're at right now. And, you know, the Sox were going to be there regardless whether or not it was an injury, some adversity throughout the year. They're facing adversity early. Um, I'm not saying that that's a good thing for this team, but it also is, if we're going to try and like, look at like some sort of silver linings here, we, we could be in a position right now where Rick Renteria is faced with, with this decision-making process. And I think that, the the upside to this is that we do have a guy like Tony Raluca who, who has dealt with some of these things uh, before and who has dealt with that type of adversity. Um, and so, you know, we are in better hands than than we could be, uh, so to speak. So, I, I will put some some stake into that.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just I think that if there is one guy. And, and for all the faults that have been pointed out with Tony La Russa over the last, you know, five months now, and, and it's been exhausting here, this is a spot where I think having him in will be important and, and will help. And, you know, to answer Sal, my, my guy, to answer your question here, you talk about reinforcements for what in return. That's, that's where actually having a minor league season this year is going to be so important and seeing – what kind of development you can get out of guys? What kind of further development can you get out of Jonathan Steven? What can you get out of Andrew Dahlquist or or Matthew Thompson and some of these guys at the lower level to find out, okay, can they become pieces that you can utilize to augment, augment the core here? And that's where they really didn't have the ability to do that last year, despite what a lot of the fucking whiners want to say, not having a minor league season hurt this team specifically last year because they didn't have those super high echelon guys anymore that they could deal.
0: I agree with all that. We got, uh, we got anything else before we ride out in the sunset boys?
1: Buzz, why don't you tell everybody where they can find their, uh, their Chicago sports literature and podcasts and needs. And I think we're out of here, man.
0: Oh, okay. I, I, I could do that. That is something I could do. I'm going to fuck this up now. Cause I got cocky. Ah, damn, man. I'm in my head right now. All right. Everybody be sure to go on tapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at SoxOnTap, at UntapsportsNet. Following Steve at NWI underscore Steve. Following Tony at TonyOnTap. Following me at BuzzOnTap. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us, five-star rating and review, because that's cool and tough. And if you missed what I said before, go to the Sox on Tap Twitter page, pin tweet, grandstand giveaway, follow directions in the article. Got to follow them. Because we've had a lot of people not follow them, so please, for the love of God, follow them.
1: Following instructions, cool and
0: tough. Very cool and tough, unless you're a renegade or a rebel. I mean, and then I can kind of get with it. But follow those directions, and you will be entered to win a 1983 home Tim Anderson jersey.
2: Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. But Buzz, what what year was that? Was it 1983? Um, I believe uh as gas money Bob would say it's 83.
0: Oh, it's oh boy, oh boy. Okay, my my bad. My, I I can't do eighty-three. White Sox Tim Anderson jersey. The boys are back T-shirt and an on tap Sportsnet swag pack. Thank you everybody for joining. We're gonna lead it out how we always do. White Sox forever. White Sox forever.
2: White Sox for
0: life.